like to talk and read all things books and mystery. Funny stories. The characters of youth always tend to be a sleuth. The Hardy Boys will do. Don't forget Nancy Drew. It's a clue. Hello, friends and sleuths. I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly. Welcome to It's a Clue, a faux crime comedy podcast for archaeology students and river pirates. Up for discussion this week is Nancy Drew and the message in the hollow oak. So, Karen, here are my two, two opening questions. Two this week? Yes. Two. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number one, how badly do you want to be in the detective club with annual sleuthing competitions? (laughs) So bad. So I love bad. That. that sounds incredible. And I know we'll talk more about this later, but ye listeners need mm. to know. In this book, we learned there is a detective club, a club, of which a one club. can be a part. And you have an annual meeting where there is a mystery that is like a competition to solve. And it's like the ultimate, I don't know, like the ultimate escape room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like a bunch of, it's it's like a fishing an annual fishing trip except instead of fishing they these guys like pick a mystery to solve and it sounds like they're only marginally successful (laughs) yes because they got to call in the big guns nancy bess and drew nancy bess and drew why do i keep saying that nancy bess and george it it, george what you said does roll off the tongue it does nancy bess and drew yeah Mm -hmm. Anyway, to answer your question, desperately want to be the detective club. I'm assuming that you do as well, or you wouldn't have. Oh, asked. big time! Yes, <laughs> I'm a- I'm actively looking for one on the interwebs. So. We should be we be the detective club you want to see in the world, Kelly. We should start it. <laughs> That's true. That's true, Karen. You are you're a wise wise woman. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, second question. Was this the most food-forward book so far? Yes. There, like, there was constant food in this book, and I'm totally here for it. Yeah. Um, and weird food, too. <laughs> some some damn weird food. Like, to the point where I kept... Go- I googled food more than anything else in this book. So, <laughs> um, m- most notably, first, first mention would be beaten biscuits with a fish ball inside. <laughs> fish, fish ball being all one word. I cried laughing because the way they introduced this dish to, like, the guy says it in a really funny way. He says, my wife makes the best beaten biscuits you've ever had. And then she puts a little fish ball inside. (laughs) (laughs) Not a fan. I I, I mean, it just sounds like a way to ruin a perfectly good biscuit to me. (laughs) Yes. But maybe it's delicious. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, it kind of in my in my googling, it kind of sounds like at least the um, the Americanized version of it sounds very like crab cake. You know, like oh. but with cod or something, and you know, it's like a little fried ball. So they're probably delicious. But I think the the phraseology of fishball is maybe <laughs> leaves a little to be desired. You're like which fish? I also just like. Food in a ball shape reminds me of a melon scooper, and I don't really feel good about fish or scooping a fish. Any other meat being prepared with like a melon ball or so. Well, like, do you do you enjoy like a meatball? I do like a meat. I, I you're right. I like a meatball, but it wasn't like scooped from the 
Nope. I've, I, this is already nope. grossing me out. I'm done. Nope. I'm going to have to gouge out my mind's eye and keep going. <laughs> you ruin meatballs but, for everyone. But now, but now that I say it, like, maybe a fishball is literally just a meatball made of fish. I think you're right. It's possible. It's probably true. The other, the other one was, and I mean, all of the components of this sound relatively delicious, but combined, okay, the meal, a la Bess, was ham patties... Which again is, it's it's a, it's a crab cake made with canned ham. <laughs> canned ham, Our canned favorite. ham, mm-hmm. uh, macaroni and cheese, my mm-hmm. favorite, Good. yes, and banana ice cream. Like collectively, collectively disgusting. Get out the rollers or like tums yes. or something. I, what's a is a ham? Okay, I was rereading that multiple times, wondering if. It was just a hamburger patty, but no, it's a ham patty. It's a ham patty. It's <laughs> it's like it's it's canned ham that you flake up, which is just generally not the word I want to be using when describing <laughs> my meat product. Is flake it? Um, but it's it's like ham with mayonnaise and breadcrumbs and seasoning, and then you make a patty out of it, and I think you fry it, kind of like a sausage. I or a crab cake. Oh, oui, mon favorite. Oh, oui. <laughs> and like a, ha- a ham patty with mac and cheese sounds pretty delicious. The banana ice cream is a little specific for me. Like, I mean, I love banana ice cream, but I just don't know about following it with, you know, on the tail end of mac and cheese and ham. But there were, whatever. There were toppings on the banana ice cream, too. There was... There were. It was like walnuts and... Something else. Cherries, I mean, it was, it was like a... It was a chunky monkey situation, for sure. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, TM. Ugh, I... You know, the, the other meal that really jumped out at me, I felt like they boxed lunches about 17 times in this book, and I was like, yes. oh, okay. Like, it's got, you got to eat a box lunch to balance out the ham patties, I guess. But. Right? Well, and I'm like, well, and what goes in the box lunch? It's probably a ham sandwich, you know? Probably. Like, it's, I feel like everything in, you know, Great Depression times is made out of the same seven canned ingredients. Yeah. Which is probably about right. It's so. just the leftover fish balls from the night before. <laughs> oh, man. Whew. Stewing away yeah, in fish the... Fish balls probably made with canned cod. <laughs> Sitting and... in a hot car all day long. <laughs> oh, God. It just feels like salmonella, doesn't it? Or botulism. What's that one? Botulism. Oh, God. Yeah. Ugh, yum, 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 yum. Put it in the cookbook. Um, it's... Put it, put it in the cookbook, Nancy Drew. Oh, another jingle. Wow. We're well, off that the was races. ripped off directly from Inspector Gadget, but Woo-hoo. I hadn't gotten to the... there. Thank you. <laughs> I'm with Woo-hoo. you. You're with me. I'm sitting over here, like, thumping my big iron fist on my chair. Oh, and petting Gadget. Your, your white petting cat. Petting my white cat. Yep. <laughs> just, like, just like James from the box on The Bachelorette. <laughs> Bless bless is right so uh sister yes. what has your bit week been like i'm about to You've tell you rocking the casbah i'm gonna tell you something that's gonna blow your mind and it it may or may not damage our relationship <laughs> oh oh god i have All right. i've I'm started nervous. doing something that will make you question if you even know me um today at 7 30 a.m actually no at 7 a.m i 
walked down the street in Ballard, Washington, and I walked into a warehouse and I did a CrossFit class, which I am committed to, to do 12 more of. (laughs) Because I paid for all of them up front, so I'm going no matter what happens. Oh my God. Well, and that is how you have to do things like that. A hundred percent. When you know it's going to be massively painful, you have to like put down money up front. Yes, or because only do it half of the time. I'd never go back. I'd never go back. And so, how was it? Did you have to jump up on things today? There. Were... Okay, so here is my <laughs> layperson's knowledge of CrossFit. Anyone who knows about this, listening to this podcast, is going to be horrified. But basically, what I know to be true of this is that. The workout of the day changes every day. So whenever you go, you're doing a different, like, circuit kind of thing. And you could be, like, weightlifting. You could be jumping up on a box, as you said. You could be trying and failing to do pull-ups. Jumping rope. Like, there's all these different things that you do around, like, mobility and gymnastics and weightlifting and just, like, stretching on the floor. Like, all the stuff. And it changes every day so that... You're constantly, like, making gains and getting, getting swole. I'm, like, I'm so stressed out listening to you talk about this. I've never been, like, I'm flushed right now, but go on. Yeah, and so I went today, and you know what I will say? I think a lot of people say, like, CrossFit is like a cult because you know someone is in is doing CrossFit because they'll tell you. <laughs> and I kind of get and it, why. And it's taken you all of seven hours. Yeah, and I kind of get why, because I went, and I am the laziest person in the world. I'm like, my ideal state is horizontal, reading a book, watching TV, taking a nap, petting a cat. So, like, I was terrified walking into this place, and everyone was so nice to me. It wasn't like a bunch of, like, big, swole bros. Yeah, Yeah, and like athletes that were like what is this person doing here they're like oh sick it's your first day and like we're helping me and being really friendly and like the coach was really friendly and i was terrible to be fair like we did a weightlifting thing and the guy next to me was was lifting 415 pounds (laughs) and i impossible it was i watched him do it and it was beautiful to behold and i could barely lift just the bar with no weights on it, which is 35 yeah. pounds. And I was like pouring sweat. And he was like, you got this. No, that's really great. Like, this is where I started too. And I'm like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> but everyone was super I'm, kind. But Karen, I'm so proud of you. 35 pounds. That's like four cats. It is like four cats. And um, I had a great attitude, which is the most important thing. Um, I will say that. See, that's the, that's the part that I lack. I have a terrible attitude. I'm shocked that I did. But um, anyway, I think uh, I have some unpleasant next couple of days in store for me because... uh, Probably. Are you sore yet? Already. And this gym, for context, or the box, as they call it in CrossFit, is it's four blocks from our house. It took me five minutes to walk there this morning. Uh It took me 25 minutes to walk home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I had like the worst jelly legs ever. I'm like, I, I can't even hardly wow. stand up. I think so. Like, were were you like inspired to do this for some reason? Like, what did you like watch Wonder Woman and you were like, someday I want to be able to like shoot archery backwards off a horse. I like what I do want to be able to do that deeply. Um, Me too. But I mean, I I bring it up for a reason. Well, you know? my. 
my my home girl Jessica and her husband Kyle. Kyle is a CrossFit trainer, and I did not know this. It, he is a CrossFit trainer, and Jess also but that, does CrossFit. That adds up. And they were like, "It's really fun. Like it seems scary. It's not. You should give it a shot." And so they got me all hyped on it, and I decided to give it a shot. And here we are. While my thighs are in agony right now, I did have a very nice time. So. <laughs> Well, maybe one of these days you'll be able to drag yourself out of a cistern with only a nail. That was your upper body strength. That was my int- yes. I was thinking about that. <laughs> I'm like, if Nancy can do that, then I should at least be able to do ten sit ups without fainting. <laughs> yes, I mean, you never know when you will need to be able to like reach up from your back ten times in a row to save your life. I may need to reach a white claw that's slightly out of my reach. <laughs> Thank you. Reach for the golden ring, reach for the safety valve, reach for a white claw. I mean, things yeah. happen. So well, that's my shocking revelation. I have nothing else to tell you. I This may kill me, um, but... No, it, it will make you stronger. I, ho- I hope so. <laughs> un- un- unless it kills you. Unless then, it kills me. And then you know, I think there's a song about that. You'll have to find a new podcast co-host. Blame it all on CrossFit. It w- no, Karen. If if CrossFit takes you down, the podcast is over. <gasps> all right. I have... So additional motivation. To survive. <laughs> you must survive for me and the podcast. Forget about your husband. Do it for... home. Do it for Nancy. The people need to know Nancy. about Nancy. Karen, do it for Nancy. <laughs> Oh, bless all of our souls. Um, what? Okay, that's enough about me. I said all of the things. What have you been doing? We had a we took a vacay from the podcast, and I missed you. And I want to know what you've been up to. Well, I I took a vacay from work, and I went to Quilton. <gasps> a Quilton? Yeah. I, so listen, like I I know I have granny habits. But it's just who I am on the inside. Um, so mom and a whole bunch of our quilting buddies go to Amish country every year. Cute. In northern Ohio. And we go sew for a week at this adorable little house. And they all cook amazing food. And I wash the dishes afterwards. So Love yeah, it. And, and I finished a major quilt project I've been working on for like nine years. I finally got that done. And like not... It's not the only thing I've done in wait, nine years. Wait, wait. Nine years. Nine years. On one. Yeah. This is the Dear Jane mm-hmm. quilt, isn't it? It is. It is. I've been working on this sucker. I started it in 2012. And I, it's, it's like oh. a massive sampler quilt. And it took me nine years. You should post a picture of it because I this would have taken me my entire life to make. So I think nine years is a feat. And I think the people need to see it because it's... It's insane. This quilt is... Well, thank you. And it's gorgeous. Thank you very much. And I don't it's, know how you did it. It's been fun to work on, so... But anyway, I got that crossed off the old bucket list. I have a so question. Yeah, that's what I did. Yes. When you go to these, quilting requires a lot of supplies. Oh, it surely does. Like, actual machines and yes. large amounts of fabric and th- etc. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But... Uh, so do you schlep all of that with you when you go yeah girl yeah girl it's it's (laughs) it's so dumb like and we all have sewing rooms at our homes like but no we drag all of our stuff out of our rooms and 
take it on vacation with us but it's it's so fun like you know we get up and it and there's like no pressure to do anything else you can't do housework there's no laundry to be done like love it go out and work in the garden so you can sit down and start sewing at like nine o'clock in the morning and we do we we sew and we eat from nine in the morning until 10 o'clock at night do you like drink alcohol and party while you sew and does your sewing get worse throughout the day because of that yes yes Yes, I, uh, I'm in. Yeah, there. Somebody brought a gigantic blender this year, and so between the like eight of us, there were blended cocktails at like the stroke of five every day available. Excellent. Um, and nobody has a gentle pour, you know, which <laughs> is my preferred way of doing it. The only problem is, it's like number one, your seams start to get a little wavy, and number two. I'm, like, passed out by 9 o'clock every night, you know? It's like, I have to go to bed. Well, that's good, though, because... I was the first one in bed, okay? I am the youngest one out of this group by, like, not an insubstantial amount. And I was the first one in bed every single night. That's because you were the life of the party. That wears you you out. You were the entertainment. You were bringing the fun. You gotta, like... I don't know, Karen. Recharge. I think think they disagree with you. But, I mean, I was like, I'm out. I gotta go to bed. I'm tired. So... (laughs) That sounds anyway. Amazing. That was my week. I love it. What what did what did we read this week? Did you love it? Are you going to tell us about it? Well, I will save my thoughts for general thoughts and musings, but I do, as always, have some fun facts for you about the book that Mm, we read. I am very curious to hear your fun facts about this one. Okay, I feel like there are some some doozies. Uh, Like get ready. So we read the message in the hollow oak this week oh we sure did okay good i always get a little nervous when i say that i'm like what if i read the wrong book <laughs> did we read the right book so yes. whoo check that off the list as, lo- as long as you and i read the same book we're good we're good yeah so number 12 in the nancy drew series we are trucking along Man, we're we are making headway we are like we haven't been doing this podcast that long and we've read 12 books not mm-hmm. counting the super sleuth so exactly um, okay, here is what you need to know. There are two editions of this book. Originally, mm-hmm. book one, written in 1935, then it was revised in 1972, and we kind of cover this with each book, that there are differences with the revisions. Mm-hmm. Oh, this book, the original book, sounds amazing and was not at all, Ooh, even really? a little bit, what we read. So Tell me. To those of you that have not read this book, this won't be exciting until you learn what it was actually about, but just keep this in mind what I'm about to say when we do the super fast plot overview, because this is 0% what this book ended up being actually about. Oh, wow. Another one of these. Yup. So here is what Wikipedia told me about the original book from 1935. So Nancy, at the start of the book, finds out that she's won a contest and her prize from this contest was that she won a bunch of land in Canada. <laughs> what? Yes. So, she is excited. She takes her first trip outside of the United States to, mm-hmm. to, to like, claim her land. Her yeah, parcel of land. Amazing. That she won from a lottery in Canada. So, she gets on a... Tra- she takes a train to Canada. She meets this author on the train whose name is Anne and then there's a train crash oh my god I'm loving all of this chaos ensues 
Apparently, Bess and George are also on the train. No one's seriously injured. But this author... Oh, no, I'm sorry. The author that she meets on the train is gravely injured. And so Nancy... Gravely injured. Gravely. Nancy injured to the point of she's going to die. Like, she's not okay. Nancy, George, and Bess are all fine, though. They go to the hospital to check on her. And she tells Nancy that she was... Going to Canada for some mysterious reasons. She has a mysterious message to give to her grandfather. She has a lost love in Canada that she hasn't seen because she ran away from home. I don't know much more about it, but there's like a mystery with messages this woman wants her to get back there. The only thing that is similar is that Nancy also learns that there might be, there might be gold in them there hills on her land that she's won in Canada. And there are some dudes that are trying to get there first and pilfer this gold from her lottery land before she gets there. But like WTF. I'm like, I want to read that version. I don't do. That sounds really good. That sounds really good. Like, yeah. So that's also completely different. Yes. Like there's like, basically no overlap there Mm -mm. that's what i got for you wow well that was scintillating karen (laughs) scintillating i say thank you i don't hear that word every day and i'm glad that it was applied to my fun fact (laughs) i will try to wow and amaze you with my vocabulary moving forward well can you wow and amaze me with a one sentence plot submission (laughs) Uh, yes yes i sure can and i just gotta say like Nancy Drew Eats, we don't know you, but you are killing it. We love you. We love you so much, Nancy Drew Eats. (laughs) And like everybody who plays always has good ones. So just keep them coming. So Nancy Drew Eats knocked it out of the park again. And so her one sentence plot this week was Nancy's desire for P.F. Chang's becomes a disaster when she orders a bone in menu special for the table. (laughs) so good (laughs) it's so good it's so good because on the cover there's a sign behind her that just says pf and a skull (laughs) and a skull like that is not the dinner you want no oh that's beautiful and perfect it also made me want pf jenks (laughs) i know i'm like no i'm starving but you can't eat any of that if you're doing crossfit like no, that's why I'm doing CrossFit. I'm not going to be, yeah. I'm not going to look any different after this. I'm simply doing this to offset the fact that I want to eat Outback Steakhouse every day. So The Taco Bell. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. This is a, a balancing act. A balancing game. Yeah. I, I get that. Good for you. Thank you. That's that's much healthier than my general approach to food and dieting. There will I'm be- like best. There will be no changes to my eating habits. Like, smart food and Swedish fish will still be my my mm. main loves, but... Do you remember when, back in the day, we used to think that smart food popcorn was healthy because it said smart in it? I still try to tell myself that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah. You gonna uh, super fast plot us? I will. And you know what? I had a pretty good time writing this one because... Good. Spoiler alert, this book made sense, so it was easy to write. This book made sense. 
Yes. All right. What what a novel concept. No pun intended. Enough. Oh, you've been watching too many episodes of Make It with your great puns. <laughs> All right. Here I go. Dun, 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 dun. Nancy Drew is activated by a detective's club that was unable to solve its most recent challenge, the mystery of the hollow oak. Basically, these guys meet up every year to try to solve a mystery, but they ran out of time, so they called Nancy up to see if she could clear it up for them. In a nutshell, there is a legend about a French-Canadian missionary named Père Francois, who allegedly hid a bunch of clues leading to some sort of treasure in hollow oak trees across southern Illinois. The detective club dudes warn Nancy that there is an unsavory character named Kit Cadle, who is also after the treasure, so she should keep a sharp eye out for him. Nancy decides to fly to Southern Illinois stat, and, as luck would have it, Ned has some college friends that are posted up there on an archaeological dig that Nancy can crash with while she's sleuthing. Nancy runs into a shady character on the plane, who asks way too many questions about her trip, so she assumes it's Kit Cadle trying to get in her head already. She's totally correct. When she gets to her target location, she becomes best friends with all the student archaeologists and an old guy named Clem who runs a goat farm nearby. Clem takes her around in his old truck, which they sink in a river. They find a bunch of clues, and someone named Tom Wilson, who is 100% also Kit Cadle in a bad disguise, keeps spying on the sleuth operations from a helicopter and trying to scare Nancy away. His best scare tactic? Leaving a goat in her bedroom. Big shrug. Kit and his henchmen try to break into the archaeology site several times to steal the artifacts the crew is digging up, and they get chased away over and over again. But one of the archaeology students named Bob is kidnapped by the bad guys, and Nancy learns that Ace, a member of the detective club, was also most likely kidnapped on his way home from annual detective club. It has to be Kit and the bad guys, who are desperate for treasure. Another archaeology student named Art, who has a major crush on Nancy and some serious jealousy issues, drives her around on his motorcycle every day to find more clues and interview people. He loses his ish when Ned and Nancy's friend gang show up to help, and they all go on a towboat trip down the Ohio River to try to find a cave where river pirates may have hidden this treasure they're looking for. They find a note in a cave that Ace left behind and are able to rescue him from a cabin where the kidnappers were holding him hostage, but still no sign of missing archaeology student Bob. Back on dry land, the young sleuths trace a mysterious ham radio communication from Bob to a quarry in the middle of nowhere. They also receive a ransom note saying that if they ever want to see Bob alive again, they need to bring any treasure they found and 5,000 smackaroos and leave them in an abandoned well house. The teens set up a sting operation and save Bob just in the nick of time. They also capture his kidnappers, but it's just the henchman. Kit, the ringleader, is nowhere to be seen. Using some final clues picked up via the henchman oversharing, Nancy and Ned find the final hollow oak tree and a metal box hidden inside. Kit appears, almost shoots them, and then the cops finally choose to get involved and apprehend Kit before everyone gets murdered. Inside the box are a bunch of fancy old-timey artifacts from Père Francois, like an antique golden horn, a signet ring, and an expensive religious-looking necklace thing. A rosary, perhaps? Maybe we could have just called it a rosary? Nancy receives what I would argue was the greatest reward to date, an honorary membership in the detective, detective club for bros, and praise for having added, quote-unquote, valuable information to the archaeological knowledge 
of America. The end. Oh my gosh, Karen. <laughs> like, if if I had not already read this book, I would be like, get me this book immediately. I cannot wait to read this. Excellent, excellent fast plot. Oh my god, thank well you done. so much. I'm glad I marketed it well. <laughs> you did it very well. Very well. Okay, so really here cut is... to the chase. Here is the moment we've all been waiting for. General thoughts and musings. Boop, 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 boop. Mm-hmm. What did you think about this book? So... I, I'm so excited to talk about this because I enjoyed it. I won't say it's like my favorite one ever, but I enjoyed it because, and I'm curious if you agree with me or not, like this felt like for the first time in how many books is this? 12 books? 12. This one felt completely different. Yeah. Like it, we weren't rehashing the same thing over and over again. We weren't trying to help an orphan girl. We weren't looking like we were looking for a lost treasure, but it was in a different way. Like there were lots of elements that were completely different. So I liked it for all of those reasons. Completely agreed. Beautifully stated. Nice. Um, I will also, I will just say, if I had a complaint... It would be, why are we digging up all of these graveyards? Has has no one in this book seen Poltergeist? Oh, I was shuddering in my boots. I'm like, stop it. And they're like, oh, skeleton. Another skeleton. Baby skeleton. I'm like. Oh, look, we found a baby hand. Yeah. You know? Not cool. I mean, not cool. And (laughs) I mean, arguably one of the best illustrations I've ever seen. However, the worst part of this whole book was like. When they find this entire skeleton of this, I think it was a man. Yeah. Um, and they're so excited because they're going to, like, basically make a skeleton out of it. Like, rearticulate the skeleton. Yeah. And and then it comes, like, flo- somebody's trying to steal it in the middle of the night. And just, like, it looks like a skeleton is just floating out of the barn. And I'm like, it's an amazing image. But that's why you need to leave skeletons be. You, you absolutely do. Leave that poor man be. Can I tell you something? Yes. This brought back a deep memory oh for me. Of what? Did I ever tell you about how I think our childhood home is on some sort of pet cemetery? <laughs> um, No, but I think it is too. <gasps> what? Oh my God. Are you serious? We're about to have a massive deviation in our conversation. Uh, okay. Well, you go first, but I, yep. I've thought that for a long time. So we lived in that house for a very long time. Our parents still mm-hmm. live in that house. Yeah, I mean, they've been there, what, like 15, 20 years? Yeah. In the, so there's a finished basement. I'm sorry, Fiona is meowing. There's just going to be a meowing cat in this, which is actually very appropriate for what I'm about to say. Very appropriate. She knows what's getting ready to happen. So like fun times, hang out in the basement. Friends would come over, watch movies, etc. Basement's chill. At least three separate people said to me on different occasions, there's a bathroom down there, said to me on different occasions, oh, I didn't know you had a pet. And I was like, we, we don't, we do not. And two people swore to me in that bathroom that they saw like a cat go around the corner. One person thought they saw a dog. Uh Uh-huh. Have you ever seen it? Because I have. What? Yeah. No, I hate it. I that's, hate it. I mean, it. that's, that's, that's why that, that's where, that is the creepiest thing I've ever heard. I just thought it was like me seeing stuff, but I have seen, 
I have thought I have seen animals out of the corner of my eye down there forever. Are you kidding me? No. You've never seen it? No, I haven't. I think it's because the ghosts know that I will fall into a dead faint and potentially have a heart attack. And and they're not, like, they're not mean and they're not trying to scare you or anything, but it's like, I just see it out of the corner of my eye where it's like, I have seen cats. I've never seen a dog. I've seen cats down there repeatedly in the in that bathroom hallway area are you i had no idea three yes three separate people have said that to me and i every single time was like you're you're crazy no there's we do not have a cat or a dog somewhat freaking out right now i am covered in the goosebumps how do we how How, do we find out how like there's i mean it's probably just like it's probably like there was you know the people before us had pets that died there or something. I, think I mean, it's... I don't think it's probably, like, you know, traceable. I will say, though, like, if we're going to live in a haunted house, I would... Well, that's perf- the haunting I want. I would, yes, I would prefer for it to be, like, a kindly cat or kitten yeah, I mean, than, like, a newsie it's... that's like, hello, mother. I mean, I would take a ghost newsy over all of it. That sounds amazing. <laughs> no, I would die. <laughs> Hello, Govna. Like, there's way worse ghosts that you can have than, like, a cute little newsy who's, like, you know, doing a dance on a newspaper. Oh, I would, I would have, I would he's just, just. He's just carrying the banner into the afterlife, Karen. <laughs> I would not live through that encounter. <laughs> I mean, and, and, like, our little ghost, it's not like it's Cujo. I love that you went to a ghost newsy. Like, I, I don't know, man. I'm just like a little creepy historical child that's like looking at you. I mean, it could you. be a clown. It could be like something with a hatchet. I think like child ghosts are. Oh, like a little girl ghost is the like you and Joey Tribbiani. It's like, mommy, hate a little girl ghost. I let hold me. And I'm like, nope, nope, no, no, no. <laughs> I am not your mother and I will not hold you. <laughs> your cat just went around that corner. Go after it. <laughs> Mittens needs you. <laughs> Women's needs you. <laughs> oh God, you're gonna have really messed up dreams tonight. I can tell you right now. Well, okay. So, so this this has been a horrible conversation because <laughs> I never want to go back there again. But um, I will for a moment of levity. I'm not sure if you caught this or not, but I actually LOL'd. At one point later in the book, they the whole group gets on a tugboat barge situation. And to go explore this old, like, pirate cave. Oh, yeah. You know, along the river. Yep. The river pirates had a cave. And Nancy, the whole point of this book is she's searching for, like, this thing that's hidden in the hollow oak, right? Like, they eventually figured out that it might be some kind of treasure. So she's like, well, maybe the treasure is hidden in this pirate cave. And they get inside the cave and Nancy immediately, she thinks to herself that there's no hidden treasure in sight here. I'm like, those are those are conflicting things. You can't have something that's hidden while also in sight. <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. They just she gives up immediately. She's like, nah. Yeah. Like maybe maybe like turn over a stone. You know, like something. Like if that had been a haunted mansion, she would have been knocking on walls and. Thank like... you. I'm like at least knock and be like, oh, this is a hollow stone cave. Totally. Yeah. You. I did not pick up on that, and that is hilarious yeah. in retrospect. <laughs> My final thought and musing is 
thank God Nancy has a convertible back in River Heights. I, that was, I was so being driven crazy by this, like, Nancy constantly needs a ride nonsense. Like, that is way worse than Nancy driving about the countryside the whole book. That was true. She had to keep pilfering Art's motorcycle, which came with a lot of baggage, which we will discuss. Ugh. Ugh. And then Clem's truck slash yep. aquamobile. <laughs> and <Clem. laughs> she did not have the, the agency to get around that she normally does. And it, it was worse. You're right. That is that is the perfect way to put it. She did not have she she lacked a lot of agency in this book, which yeah. rubbed me really the wrong way. Anyway, that I I'll, I'll stop there. Um, what were your general thoughts and musings, pray tell? You know, Kelly Murray. Yes, Karen Murray. I thought this was a pretty damn good book. You did? I did. I I'm so happy. I like really enjoyed it to be honest. And um, yeah. You mentioned this, but notable things about this book are that there were no orphans that we knew of. Zero orphans. There were no twins that we knew of. I mean, maybe that's why Clara was so damaged, but we didn't know. We didn't know. It was not discussed, and I was Mm -hmm. deeply relieved. Um, There was a boating incident or two, but you can't win them all. So I took the W with no orphans or twins. It was better than a helicopter accident, so... It sure was. Um, So, like, largely... I would sum this up that the plot made sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel overwhelmed by 8,000 random, arguably dumb things that happened all mm-hmm. over the place that Agreed. did not matter. Um, my favorite thing was that there was drama amongst the characters. Mm-hmm. Girl, yes, there was. Interpersonal drama. And mm-hmm. I cannot wait to tell you about it in real world River Heights. But I, I cannot wait to hear about it. I love reality TV. I love a CW show. And I got... All of it in this book. So mm-hmm. I would say, good job, Mildred. Uh, yeah. I feel like she temporarily redeemed herself from the tragedy that was the last book that we read, The Clue in the Broken yeah. Locket. <laughs> so. that, was, that was a full-on tragic situation. Yeah. So not good. Well, in, in this book, as in all of them, we do have some classic mystery elements, which I think we should discuss. Yes, please. Very good. So, um... The first was, we have, like, an old-school geocaching treasure hunt. We do! We do! Oh, yes, we do! Yeah. Um, You know, unlike in a lot of the other books we've had, most of which have been somewhat treasure-hunty-based, there haven't been, like, in this we have, like, actual markers to follow, and... You find one and it points you to the next, and you find that one and it points you to the next, and they really don't know how many they need to find or if they're even going to be able to find the next one. Like, maybe somebody got to it first. Maybe this, maybe this um, tree disintegrated 150 years prior. I mean, and and in fact, when they do find the last tree, they kind of get there in the nick of time because it had pretty recently fallen over. It It was rotten and it had fallen over into, like, I don't know, a river or stream or creek or something <laughs> Crick. that's such a good yeah. point like this this whole effort could have been completely For futile not. yeah yeah i didn't think about that i like that yeah it was it was fun um i mean luckily for them it was it i gotta tell you i was a little surprised nobody had like kind of gotten there before them because it didn't it, it didn't seem to be too terribly hard no, but the clues were kind of lame. 
in that yeah, the clues were super lame i could have used like a jaunty poem at each clue or something yes. like that and it just said pf and then an arrow and i was like give me a little bit of like something here so like i i could have used a little more zhuzhing of the clues but mm. i still enjoyed the overall excitement of the geocaching yes and 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 you're right like that that would have taken it in a different like no pun intended direction like this was an actual <laughs> like yeah go south go east and and i mean in my defense had i you know i wouldn't have been able to do this i would have seen an arrow pointing north and would have been like lost in two and a half minutes i would have been looking for the eiffel tower no so. full same and like one of the trees is cut in half and so like the arrow is pointing where the fallen tree has gone so they have to figure out using the rings of the tree if it was still mm. upright it would have been pointing that direction that which is like yeah. pretty snazzy it's snap it was snazzy <laughs> I, f- I felt i felt good about that sleuth moment. all right george you should put that one in your later vocabulary lessons to come done how to use um, snazzy okay. in a sentence <laughs> in in addition to all of the kidnappings which seemed like abundant and unnecessary <laughs> um, uh and and one of the things in these books that just continuously makes me laugh is that these guys, like, these criminals keep abducting all of these people with no plan on what to do with them. And then no. they're just like, well, damn, I guess I better find a seller somewhere to chuck this guy. I mean, let's be honest, they wouldn't be keeping these people alive for like three weeks, but whatever no but um, they were and they're like what like one of the guys who gets kidnapped says they come by three times a week to bring me a sandwich <laughs> i know i was like do they though are you coming truly, over with some fish balls oh uh, yeah yeah have a fish uh, ball or no he's like i haven't eaten in a month <laughs> good Those thing fish, fish balls fish balls are high in protein <laughs> Woof. Um, so, but but in this, one of the kidnap victims happens to be a ham radio operator, and I think oh. he's in like the National Federation of American Ham Radio Fanciers Club. <laughs> um, but he manages, like, in <laughs> I love this too. What was that guy's name? Bert, Bob. Ben, Bob. 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 He mentions that his kidnappers, um, like, daily will take him outside for exercise. And I'm like, how, how nice is that? Like, they've got him on, like, you know, prison regulations, you know, <laughs> um, in his abduction scenario. So anyway, like, every time they, like, take him outside and he's going through this old shed or wherever they're keeping him held captive and he's managing to pick up like all of these little discarded bits and baubles of like wire and I don't know what else you need to make a ham a ham radio but like he collects all these things and he's able to build a ham radio and like hacks into a signal I, I don't know I'm making words up Karen like I don't it know sounds good I to me I thought it was hand radio up until ham. four days ago. So, Like canned ham. He made a canned ham radio. Um, and yeah, he he manages to like get, get a message out. Uh, I guess he like hacks into like a, 
like a broadcast network signal and is able to get like a, a help message out to a newscaster who's like, well, I don't know that I should read this on the air, but like we just got this message and Bob said he's being held captive. So if anybody's missing a Bob. And and they happen to at that exact the first moment, uh-huh. the exact uh-huh. moment that the broadcast goes through, they are watching quietly sitting around listening to their mm-hmm. their stories on the radio and they're like oh, is that our bob i think that's our is bob that, is that our bob or is there another bob <laughs> do you think do you think they're talking about our bob i loved it i loved <clears throat> the ham radio hacking and much like yourself i have no idea what all of that means but it sounded really cool <laughs> i know it's like that sounds that sounds snazzy I liked Bob. I mm-hmm. if if we were still doing the boyfriend bracket and Ned hadn't clearly just like taken over the show, I'd be like, I don't know, I'm Team Bob. <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> and and like Art's back here, like guys, come on. I have a motorcycle, <laughs> guys. Like it clearly should have been me in the boyfriend bracket. Sorry, Art. Um, okay, so speaking of Bob, this is my this is my last classic mystery element to this to this. Bob leaves a legit. Hansel and Gretel breadcrumb trail. I really like how you just pronounced Hansel. <laughs> Thank you. I thought about it for a second and I was like, do I want to go with the Americanized Hansel or do I want to go with more European Hansel? And I decided to go with Hansel at the last minute. Um, but that I feel like that's locked me into kind of like a vase versus vase scenario. And now I want to retract it and go back to Hansel. No, like you have committed to this. And for the rest of this podcast, however many episodes we do, mm. you have to use the the soft A. The, the European Hansel. soft A, soft S. Indeed. Right? Yes. Uh, right. He did. So Bob left a Hansel and Gretel trail. It was like arrowheads that he was finding, yes. right? Which, okay, yeah, so so the, the point of the section is that Bob, again, in his, like, daily exercise regimen that his kidnappers allow him on, he's, like, collecting these arrowheads um, and then, you know, covertly is able to lay them into a perfect line pointing to where he's being held hap- captive. Held captive. Killed captive? Killed killed captive. Um <laughs> It's it's a it's a show that's all about abductions and riddles. Sold. Can you crack the code? Sold. I'm in. Um. So yeah. So anyway, which is you know good on you, Bob. Like you're trying everything you can to get rescued. Um. But the thing that I was thinking about, and I don't know if you thought this or not, but I remember vividly when we and, and this whole thing happens in like Illinois, so not too far from where we grew up. And part of it's in St. Louis, where we also lived for a time. So I remember very vividly being a kid here and finding arrowheads. Yeah. And it has never occurred to me until now how crazy that is. That, like, so many years later, we can look down on the forest floor and find something that was affixed to an arrow 250 years ago. I mean, that is bonkers, Karen. Completely agreed. And I had not thought about that in the way that you did until you said it. And now I am shooketh. And yeah, like, it's also so cool. I remember in... That's like, that's like really like aligning, like finding the past at your feet in a really crazy way. And Anyways, like I interrupted you. Sorry. No, no, no. Like in grade school and stuff, we would take field trips and... I think it was in Ohio, and there were mm-hmm. 
these these burial mounds that yep. we would there was a serpent mound the that serpent was mound so incredible it's like the stonehenge of ohio <laughs> like, yeah i mean they're they're amazing and amazing i'm a fourth grader so i'm like okay we're walking through we're like walking around in grass and now i'm like that's really cool yeah <laughs> I, I it i i don't know i don't know why it is i'm sure there's some kind of like psychological you know evaluation that could be done but it is i think as a little kid you just can't appreciate like time in the same way you totally. know like it's it, everything feels like so far in the past but also very recent or something and now it's like oh my gosh that's really cool that that's anyway um, yeah and like you're you're 10 so you're new so everything that you're seeing is right. new and you're like every okay everything is the same kind of like right all right and now everything that i'm is, everything is old now right. that i am like, aged i'm like that's majestic <laughs> it's majestic exactly it's like my god look at that tree yes. i wonder if there's you know a pair of francois plaque inside of it let me hack it up <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> I never get that close to trees. <laughs> I'll let you know. Apparently, there's running in CrossFit, so I may see a tree from time to time. So I'll keep. Ooh, there's running in Cross. I'm out. I'm out for sure. It was brief. Moving Unless on. CrossFit is like, here, Kelly, put these hot dogs in your back pocket. We're going to give you a block, and then we're going to release these dogs. They would. That's what I would require. They'd let you do it if the hot dogs equaled a certain weight. They'd be like, "That's great. You're gonna." We need 15 pounds of hot dogs on you. Just now, now jump. <laughs> I don't understand. Do you think I want to eat the hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've gone to a dark place with my. I don't. I don't. I don't think you understand my workout plan. <laughs> um. So anyway, that is my classic mystery element section. Love them all. We had geocaching. We had hacking. We had Han- Hansel and Gretel. Such a freaking good book. I love this. Kelly, real world river heights. Oh, my favorite part. Hit me. AKA friends and dating. All right. I have three line items for you. Yes. The first one is a little unconventional for this section, but there were some interesting commentary on airplane etiquette and travel guidelines in this era Mm, interesting so as a person who hates to be on an airplane for safety reasons uh Uh i was not happy that we had a lot of air travel in this book however Uh i was fascinated successful all successful they did hit an air pocket and nancy flew through the cabin of the airplane at one point but like everyone was fine you'll get that right That's why you're supposed to stay seated with your seatbelt fastened nowadays. Totally. So perhaps the most unbelievable thing that happened in this book and the entire Nancy Drew series to date is that Nancy is sitting on this plane. There is a man sitting next to her. He is prying into her personal life and just generally doing the, so where are you headed, little lady? And like, why are you going there? Like not, not taking the hint of like, I'm trying to take a nap or read my book. Right. She didn't have her Beats headphones with her to signal that she was not (laughs) there for a conversation. But what does she do? She gets up out of her seat, goes to the flight attendant and says, this guy's annoying. I need to sit someplace else. And they find her another seat on the plane. No problem, miss. Right. How awesome is that? I can't even imagine what that world looks like. 
I, neither can I. A, there was an open seat. <laughs> and B, the flight attendants were like, I'm so sorry, miss. Like, absolutely. We will reseat you next to this other woman who is asleep right now. And not a big deal. And what? No big deal. Just sit right. I know. I'm like, I don't. First of all, there's a seat available. Second of all, you stood up during a flight and weren't you screamed at. Third of all, you approached a flight attendant and they didn't like call for an air marshal. Totally. Oh, okay. That moves me on to my second point about airplane etiquette. When she approaches the flight attendant about this, she goes into the galley where the flight attendants are preparing a luncheon. <laughs> oh God, of course, right? Of course they are. We have had... And everybody gets one. Yes, we've had many a luncheon in Nancy Drew. And I'm like, there are luncheons even on a plane. Every which way. Every which way. Everywhere. I mean, I bet it was... They didn't provide much detail from what I recall. And I was eagerly waiting for it. Like... I was as well. Is this going to be... It's probably going to be the worst canned thing you would ever have on an airplane. Like... Like a tuna fish situation with like a hard boiled egg is what I'm imagining. Canned sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We they didn't with, say like, microwave popcorn. You know. I was hoping they would tell us what the luncheon on the plane was. They did not. But um, did my not. final thing that I will say was, did you feel like there were a lot of same day flights happening in this book? Yes, same day flights, same day helicopters. I mean, just I I I, I, I mean. I cannot imagine that at any point in time, flying by plane or by helicopter was more ubiquitous than it is today. Yes. There's no way. Yes. So these people have to have crazy wicked money. They're like, I need to be in New York City in the next five hours. Who can drive me? Who can drive me to the airport now? Like, right. I baffled and I'm led to believe that this is during the Great Depression. So, <laughs> but revised in the 70s. So, but yeah, still, but still, but still, um, but still. Okay. So air the, travel. I, speaking of which, before we move on, I, I will say I found the illustrations in this book to be much heavier 70s than we've seen before. Oh, and okay. Tell, say more. In what way? She just, her styling was completely different in, in the illustrations in this book. Um, she looked very different. She I mean, was wearing the, pants the, the a co- lot. Yeah, she was wearing pants a lot. And like the cover art is always pretty, pretty 60s, pretty 70s, I guess. Like, you know, Larkspur Lane was very much that way. But like there was an image of her right at the very beginning where she's locked in the elevator and she was like, it, she looked like Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Interesting. So, anyway, that was a deviation from your point. So no, I'm here for it. I'm super yeah. here for it. Um, okay, I would let, next like to discuss what I alluded to before the drama mm. in this yes. book. So we had some major cases of jealousy in this mm-hmm. book. I will make a quick plot point around. Claire Warwick, who mm, is a I loved her. throwaway character in this book, but I was fascinated. I'm like, let's double click on Claire for a minute. <laughs> so, Miss Claire Warwick, she is a random archaeology student on this dig, and like everybody hates her. They hate her. 
like Karen, Karen. See, what it Claire was the Karen of her day. Like that, it was like don't be a Claire. She was the worst. Yes, she was. She was like a classic know-it-all. Mm-hmm. She would constantly insert herself into. Mm-hmm. Hey, we just dug this up. I think this is a femur, and people are like, "No, that's a finger." Claire, you dumb idiot. And you she just like dumbass Claire gulks away that, back to her that's bunk. A phalange. <laughs> yeah. So Claire is constantly just being a know it all. Everyone's like, shut up, you're the worst. And uh But that's the reason why I was so fascinated by her. I'm like, why do we all hate Claire? Yeah. She oh man, Claire was not beloved among the archaeology mm. students, so I would love to know more about her. We'll never see her again, but fascinating specimen. Um, But more importantly, we have a character Mm. named Art Budlow. (laughs) Oh, Art. Art Budlow. Art loves him some Nancy Drew. Yes, he does. He he starts crushing on her quick. Like, instantly. Instantly. I think he had some potential. He's like driving a motorcycle. He's like really yes anding. He's like, what are we doing next? I w- I'm, I'm here for the sleuthing adventure, etc. But Nancy, like never before, picks up on this fledgling crush and feels obligated to say, you know, I'm seeing someone, right? And mm-hmm. Art gets hella salty. He does not. Mm-hmm. He does not want to know about Ned. Um, mm-hmm. Ned shows up with Bess and George and the other boys in this crew art won't speak to him it is that is it was so i don't know was it oh it was amazing okay i felt very attached to this but i'm like maybe i am no 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 no. it was so good um i could have just read i was like pair francois i just want to read more about the art ned grudge match but like i did not like art (gasps) tell me more i didn't like him there was something he did early on I mean, he was, you know, as per usual, we were driving back and forth between places 10,000 times. But, like, I think the very first time he takes Nancy in to make the phone, to make a phone call, and she's she's trying to, like, hook up with the the pilot or something. I don't, I don't, I don't know. The Whirlybird pilot, yes. Yeah. Um, she goes and she makes her call, and... She says, like, can we make one more stop? And he says, no, a deal's a deal. We have to get back. And she goes, okay, no problem. I get it. And she says something else about the case or about what's going on. And he he tells, like, oh, God, I just want to find it now. He he basically tells her, like, I don't want to talk about that. <gasps> and And she goes, like, okay, I won't say anything more. And... He says, no, I really want you to figure it out and I want to help, but let's just enjoy the ride for now. Like, let's oh. not talk about it right now. And and maybe I read too much into it. Like, I'm sure I do with all of these books. Like, I've got, you know, my little, like, you know, take down the patriarchy hat on. But, <laughs> you know, I just, I was like, please don't tell her what to do and what she can and can't talk about. And, you know, and instantly she's like, oh, I guess I should stop talking about it. And I'm like, no, talk about it three times more now. Triple down, Nancy. Um, so I wasn't a huge fan of art. And then, you know, he was like turned into such a little like baby over Ned. And she's done absolutely nothing to lead him on or give him any kind of indication she's no. interested in him. Art sucked. Uh, the thing that was almost more distressing to me 
was that their plan to get Art off of Nancy's back was, there's this other girl mm-hmm. around. Let's just get him to have a crush on Julie. And I was like, y'all, that ain't the way crushes work. Thank you. Perfectly stated. That is not how crushes work. Like, let's just foist Julianne on Art, and then he'll forget Nancy mm-hmm. ever existed. And I was like, I, he's worked with Julianne on the Stig site for an extended period of time. If Art wanted to right. cruise around had, with Julianne, mm-hmm. he had ample opportunity. Also, like, maybe Julianne doesn't like Art, you know? like Correct. Let's, let's not, like, be foisting off Nancy's, like sloppy seconds onto julianne julianne deserves better than that julianne does deserve better than that and who even knows what julianne has going on she's like i'm here for an education thank you leave I'm me not alone here right to mess around with all you so maybe she was maybe she was seeing claire and that's why claire was so bitchy i love that fan theory and i Oh, there there were a lot of opportunities for alternative romance in this book, which I think we will oh. discuss later. But Ooh, goody, 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 goody. Yes, um, yes, yes. Okay, finally, this kind of deviates a little bit into lexicon of Nancy Drew, but George said two things in this book that were weird and awesome. Ooh, what? Yeah, I know one of them. I don't know the second. I And I, I still don't know what it means, but she said it like, I, I feel like she was using this word in place of like, whoa. That's crazy. And she said, hypers. Yep, that was the one I remembered. I was like, what does uh, that mean? Huh? And hypers. I, I Googled it, and there is no additional information about what that <laughs> meant at this time, other than there is a blog post that another Nancy Drew fan wrote that is that George says this from this point forward, apparently, like hundreds of times. Interesting. Yeah, hypers, you- which is like, gee. Whoa. Crazy. <laughs> Wowzers. Yeah. What what's the line from uh it's like stop trying to make hypers happen. <laughs> stop trying to make fetch happen. Thank you. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I'm totally with you. Yeah, stop trying to make fetch happen. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Um the other thing she said that I thought was cute and did make sense, and I'm like, I'm gonna bring this back was Instead of you're kidding, she goes, oh, you're spoofing. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I, I totally missed that one, though. I thought, I thought that was you're charming. You're spoofing. Yeah. So it's adorable. Unlike Fetch, your spoofing is going to happen. <laughs> yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that one in my daily vocabulary now. That's, this is maybe the most I've ever liked George. I, same. This was the most value she's ever added to a Nancy <laughs> Drew book. <laughs> Um, okay, thank you for going on that journey with me. I had a lot of strong feelings. Uh, would you like to tell me about what you wish would have happened in this book? <laughs> yes, I would. This is my favorite part because it's essentially based in judginess. Um, so I, it would have been awesome if Ned and Art had gotten into an actual brawl over Nancy. Yes. Um, and then Julianne fights everybody for trying to pawn her off on Art. So here for that. Just like a full-on, like, 1960s cat scratch situation. Yeah, and then she Wonder Woman's them and is like, I'm not here for my MRS degree. Leave Thank me alone. You. 
Yes. Thank you. I am not, do not write. And, and I, as much as I'm not trying to encourage like, you know, um, toxic masculinity and stuff like the, the like little passive aggressive nonsense with Ned and Art was, it was fun, but it could have been more fun. Like, I don't want him to actually like throw a punch, but like maybe talk it out. Like say words. Yes. Say, use your words. Completely agreed. I love that. At the very beginning of the book, when, and you kind of alluded to this, it, at the very beginning of the book, Nancy's aunt is the one who initially gets her involved in this mystery because she's kind of like, I think she's dating. What was that guy's name? It was so dumb. Boise. Uh, Boise. I was like, Chauncey? No. His name was Boyce. <laughs> and he's he, he goes by Boise, which, you know, whatever. Um, they're clearly kind of dating, right? Oh, I didn't pick up on that, but yes, you are correct. Mm- Maybe not, but I, that's what I'm choosing to go with. So Nancy's aunt, Eloise, in the plaza, is dating Boise, the NYPD detective. And she's the one who kind of... Anyway, so she's like, Nancy, why don't you jump on a plane and come up here and hear about this three-minute mystery rather than us just call you on the phone? And Nancy goes, I'll be right there. So she jumps on a plane, and then on her way up to Aunt Eloise's apartment, she gets trapped in the elevator. The elevator goes out. Um, hate it. I hate it. Yep. Yeah, this is like the first time she's ever been in an elevator that was self-propelled. Hated it. AKA she had to push her own button. Hate it. Um, and then she just gets out. Like she waits in the elevator and an hour goes by and they send help and somebody gets her out or the, the, the electricity comes back on. And you are too dismissive to of that. She was trapped in an elevator for an hour. I would go crazy. Yeah. I'm very very claustrophobic. I would not be cool with that. (laughs) I mean, I would definitely be trying what they did on You've Got Mail and, like, let's jump in the air and maybe the elevator will think we're gone and it will just... (laughs) Yes. Um, So she's stuck in this elevator and I think it would have been awesome if she just winds up being stuck in the elevator the whole time and she has to, like, remote in. (gasps) So, like, Bess and George go out to... The dig site and there are her like boots on the ground people and they're sending her carrier pigeons back to her entrapment inside the elevator where she's like why don't you follow that arrow and see what happens i love it because i do think bess is ready to like it's her time to mm-hmm. shine she's ready to branch out on her own i think she could do it i yes mm-hmm. i love that i love it yep sold um so since we brought up the elevator, I'm just going to say it would have been great if she had gotten out of that elevator herself. If she had hotwired it or if she had like climbed in- <laughs> under the roof of the car and like just it was such a like womp 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 moment where it's like then the electricity comes back on. So like I'm wanting I, I love that we're putting her in some interesting situations, but they need to tie back in. So yes, she needs to get herself out of it. Or she needs to learn something from it that she can then apply later in the book. So, like, it would have been awesome if she had learned how to, like, hotwire the elevator or pry the doors open or, like, climb down the rope or something in chapter one that then later she could use to, like, rescue Ace. You know, like, maybe Ace is, like, in a basement and she's able to rescue him by, like, she knows how to hotwire a dumbwaiter. I love that you keep calling it a hotwiring, like, an elevator and a car engine or whatever. They're the same. (laughs) From my understanding, 
they're the same. Totally. You cut the yep. wire and you cut the wire and you like tap them together. You touch them. <laughs> you just you touchy, touchy, touch, touch, touch. And then bzzz, the elevator goes. And you better be careful because if you're in Mission Impossible, that's when you can't things happen. <laughs> I was going to say you can't go below 80 miles an hour or it'll explode. That and I was like, that's speed. the wrong movie. <laughs> but similar, similar. Totally. If you go too fast. You're going to explode. If you go too slow, you get bored. So <laughs> that's a, that, that is a great uh, fan theory and spinoff. The elevator situation was distressing and anticlimactic. So I, I do it, like that. Both of those things. Yes. yes. Um, and this is my last, it would be awesome if. Okay. It would be awesome if in the future, if the whole detective club thing came back around because it, it to clarify a little bit, the Detective Club is a group of New York City police detectives. They are actually detectives. And on their vacation, they go try to solve these unsolved mysteries. It would be really, really cool if they called her up again in the future because she solved a mystery they weren't able to solve. Yeah. It would be, I would love to see that, that come back or for them to like include her on a case in the future with them. Like, Hey, come up to New York. We could really use a spunky sleuth such as yourself. I did feel like the detective club was incredibly misogynistic though. And I was almost like the first rule of detective club is that there are no, no girls in detective club. So while it was a great honor that she was inaugurated into it, I still feel like they were being a little cute about it. So I, I want. I agree with you. Detective Club showing back up to be Nancy, like becoming the president of Detective Club. <laughs> well, she should be because I mean, one thing that I did find hilarious in this book, speaking of the Detective Club, is that one of them is kidnapped yeah. at the end of Detective Club, and nobody notices he's missing. No, and she saves his life. She saves his life. I mean, how long can you live on fish balls alone? Very limited amounts of time, Kelly. I would say so. Believe me, I know. You, oh no. I'm just kidding. I don't, and I never want to. (laughs) I was like, put Garrett on the phone. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any, it would be awesome if suggestions? Um, I have one that I just am trying to insert even more CW drama into this. And I Mm. felt like there was a underexplored character in this. So Teresa Bancroft mm-hmm. was, I don't know. I think she's like a professor or something, but yeah, she, she is, she was like female Indiana Jones, female Indiana Jones. I was getting a little like Laura Croft vibe from her. Mm, Maybe that's just yes. because she has Croft in her name. I don't know, but could be when they introduced her, it was kind of like subtly alluded to that. She's a total babe. She is very smart. She is in charge of this whole dig site. She's digging up skeletons left and right. She's keeping the students mm-hmm. safe. She's creating rotating guard watches. She is unflustered. And I was like, I love this lady. And mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I was like, what if the boyfriend bracket becomes more <gasps> than it is? And yes. Nancy, Nancy leaves Ned for Teresa Bancroft. <sighs> She's a kick-ass archaeologist. She's running this dig site. It said twice oh my that God, I'm Nancy, so down. it said verbatim in the book that Nancy kissed her, which I think was like a friendly peck on the cheek, but I was like, yeah, she did. And yeah, she uh, did. I, she's, never, she's never kissed anybody else. No. And so. She's never even kissed Ned. 
No, she hasn't. And I had just had a little moment where I was like, Nancy, mm. maybe you should explore your feelings for Teresa. Uh, so hey, I'm I'm down. That sounds great. I was a huge Ter- Teresa, Teresa fan. Ned. Totally. So the bracket has gotten mm. more complex. More co- more complicated. We're gonna have to change the name. So that that was my. Only. I like it. interesting that you went very CW, and I'm here for it. Thank you, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, did we get to add anything to uh, Nancy's resume this week? I added I'm quite certain we did four items to Nancy Drew's ever-growing resume this week. So, number one, the obvious ghost pet in the room, archaeologist. Uh, yes, she learns how to be an archaeologist. In 30 seconds, she watches somebody else, you know, digging up a skeleton, and she's like, I can do that, and then digs up a child's hand. And in mere moments, she's like, here's the full body of a child. So Nancy Mm -hmm. is an archaeologist, and I said this quote, I think, in the plot overview, but the gift she is given at the end is that the government recognizes her for, again, quote-unquote, adding valuable information to the archaeological knowledge of America. So... I think we can say Nancy is an archaeologist now. I feel confident in saying that. She, it, all of this just seems like performance punishment, you know, like hundred percent. When does she? When does she get like a paycheck? Literally never. Um, other thing I added to her resume: marathon runner. <laughs> yes. So she chases a running man down for what seems to be multiple miles through the wilderness right. it was like a trail run and mm-hmm. she's just like full Here on sprinting after this man mm-hmm. in the and middle I, of the night yes not a big deal and she is successful so that was pretty dope uh i could be wrong about this it may have come up before but she was fluent in french in this book Oh my gosh, you're totally right, and I'd totally forgotten about that. Yes, she completely is. Because there's a, the the note at the end. She, from right? Père Francois. From yes. Père Francois, right. She just is like, oh yeah, it pretty much means this. Yeah, it's like, and it's not a five-word note. It's right. a multiple-paragraph note with complicated words and historical terms. <laughs> and she just out loud reads it aloud to them and actively translates it so she's fluent in french that's on her resume. right i mean it's it you know it it's not like it says my name is Père francois where is the discotheque like it, it here is my treasure have a nice right. day <laughs> right yeah so fluent in french and then my last one this she would not put on her resume but it is something that we learned about her mm-hmm. deeply uncomfortable with drama um you're yes that whole thing made her really uncomfortable. She was like, and Art th- is getting up in my beeswax. Ned <laughs> is unhappy about it. And then she kind of got a little salty with Bess because Bess yeah, was, I was just like, gonna say, trying Bess tried to, to like nip it in the bud. She did. And Nancy was like, please, please don't. Please, please don't. Don't get involved. Don't, don't make don't it worse. Anything. Like, don't, don't make, make it worse. Right. Don't stir up any drama. And it like, and Bess is like, this, there already is drama. Yes, and like, but, but okay, I'll just go make some mac and cheese. Let me help mitigate this. And Nancy's like, just don't, just don't. Oh my god! Like, 
the literal slack moji of a woman face palming was Nancy in this book. She was like, don't, I just can't, I can't look. I can't look. It's so bad. It's so bad. So Let's just go get on a barge and pretend none of this happened. Yeah. Like to the point that the captain of the barge was like, are you guys okay? Is everything all right? And she's like, I promise we're friends. Yeah. Like she hates drama and she's like, at all costs, everybody just remain calm. Uh-huh. There is no sexual like, tension here. And I'm like, there is, though, Nance. And you got to do something. If we, didn't, if we didn't know she was a wasp before, before we do now. So well put. Yeah. Just saying. So, I yeah, four things. Archaeologist, marathon runner, fluent in French, and she hates drama. That's what I got for you. That beautifully done. Yes. She is quite the accomplished young woman. She is. Um, okay, so as we bring it on home. Yes, I, I do have one open question for you. Okay, I, I can't wait. I won't have Just any one. answers, but I will take it to my grave, puzzling over it for the rest of my life. <laughs> so I, I, I know that, here's, here's the question. Does capsizing a car in rushing river water count as our boating accident for this book? <laughs> I mean, listen, I know, I know, I know that George almost got crushed in between two barges, so that probably checks the box, but, like, that was really more of a George accident Yeah, that was boats and not a boat accident. That was just George. George, like, gets hurt a lot. She, like, sprains her ankle. She's, she's clumsy-rooney. She is clumsy-rooney, and, like, and, and Bess never, like, judges her for it, even mm-hmm. though every time Bess, like, you know, gets a hangnail, George is like, jeez, Bess. Stop being such a girl. The goat farmer, whatever his name was, he... His he name is Clem. Much is driving Kelly. Clem. I'm sorry, Clem. His name Clem, is Clem. Clem the goat farmer. But, like, eh. Clem's like, I can't believe I drove my open-faced car through a river, <laughs> and now it's sinking, <laughs> Correct, Clem. It is it is sinking. And then who rescues it? Nancy Drew and the girls push it back onto shore. I felt like it qualified as a boating accident. Yes. Okay, perfect. That's all I needed to know. Yeah. Um, okay. So in conclusion. Mm-hmm. I had to pronounce it that way because you said Hansel earlier. Well, it felt right to me, so thank you. Thank you. Um we are going to rate the message in the hollow oak out of a 12 possible whirly birds. And I don't think we talked about this enough to make it really stick, but there are a lot of helicopters in this book and they constantly call them whirly birds. So 12 whirly birds is what you have available to you. Kelly Biscopink, how do you rate this book? All right. I got to limber up. I am giving it seven out of 12 whirly birds. That's a good score. Yeah, like I liked it. I didn't love it. It lost Whirly Birds because there was a lot of like boys club nonsense. Like the detective club that you brought up and also like the girls have to cook dinner and the boys have to stay in guard. Nancy can't drive herself around. Also, it lost some Whirly Birds because of that whole um, New York meeting that could have been an email. Oh, Um, girl, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just wanted more like fun and chaos in the pirate cave, which didn't happen. Yeah. But in general, like like you said, this one made sense. It the plot made sense. It was unique. It was different. There weren't any orphans. So yeah, seven out of twelve. How about That's you? That's good. That's good. I listen. I may have been overzealous, but I gave it nine out of twelve whirly birds. 
Ooh, okay, okay. Explain. So I gave it 9 out of 12 early birds because the plot was consistent. I felt like I could follow it from point to point, which after Mm -hmm. the last book, I was like... That is no small feat. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. I also love petty teenage drama. So Art Mm -hmm. and Claire being the worst and the like jealousy situation, super here for it. So 9 out of 12 for that. I did, however, remove three whirly birds for when the airplane hit an air pocket and Nancy, like, flew through the cabin of the airplane. That's my worst nightmare. So, nope, not here for that. And I also did not like when she got stuck in an elevator for no reason in Chapter 1, which we discussed. I was like, there was no point. And I am very claustrophobic and I hated that. So... 9 out of 12, though. Not bad. And 7 out not of 12. Bad. So an average yeah, so eight, an average of 8 out of 12. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's pretty good. Um, Kelly, mm-hmm. what are we going to read next week? Because I think it's good. I'm so glad you asked. Next week is our next Super Sleuth special, yes! for which we will be reading Truly Devious, A Mystery by Maureen Johnson. And I picked up my copy from the library this afternoon. Oh, God. I got to go get mine. I haven't gotten it yet. I shall go to the bookstore forthwith yes. to Super procure this. And it's, I am told that it is a trilogy, so which I'm always excited about because if you like one, it's nice to have two more. Well, yeah, that's why we got bruised the last time, because our last Super Sleuth, the Inheritance Games, was awesome, and there yeah. are no more. We have to wait. Well, there there, there will be, but we have to wait. So. I know. I'm, I'm impatient. Yeah, me too. Well, you beautiful baby angels, uh, as always, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. If you are enjoying this, please tell a friend. We really appreciate you. Thanks for listening to our ramblings and learning about the ghosts in our basement. We are on Instagram at It's a Clue Podcast, where fun things happen. So you can follow us there. And remember what we learned today in Nancy Drew and the mystery or the message in the Hollow Oak. Don't leave open containers of cookies in your bedroom. (laughs) It's not ants you have to worry about. It's goats. Full-size goats will enter your bedroom in the night and eat your food. <laughs> they will. They will do that. Mm-hmm. You got to watch out for the goats. <laughs> and with that, happy, happy sleuthing. <laughs> it's a Clue is hosted by Kelly Biscopink and Karen Farmer. Our logo is designed by Courtney Kyle. You can find her on social media at I am Courtney Kyle. The It's a Clue theme song was written and recorded by Danny W. You can find her on Facebook at Danny W. Music. Audio engineering is graciously done by our friend, Mark Goodlow.